And it's interesting to see that he's both a, a Christ-like messianic figure, but also has weaknesses and vulnerabilities and is and can be hurt and can die and, and feels as flesh and blood. So I think I'm really interested to see how, aside from just um, Arrakis and the Fremen, how they're going to create that quote-unquote holy war and how he's going to take on the Empire. I feel like I'm talking about Star Wars right now. but. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Geek Sweat, where we are the podcast for filmmakers and film enthusiasts, where you get to listen to film reviews, news and interviews. Welcome back to Stream Team, the segment where we get to review feature films that have been at the cinema and are now available on your local streaming platform. Today's episode is going to be about June 2021, the new film by Denis Villeneuve. And that's June part one, to give it its full title name. On this episode, we are welcoming back our co-presenter, Jay. Hello. Thanks for having me. Jay, thank you for coming back on the show. Are you ready to take part in our new segment called Stream Team? Oh, I don't know. You, you, know, what, you know my history in, in, in streaming. <laughs> <laughs> I will try. I will try. Well, we're always trying new things and trying to be innovative with Geek Sweat. And the Stream Team segment is a slightly different premise and concept as we get to see what's exclusively streaming. But we're also inviting a fellow podcaster so that we can get to know more about the podcast world and the internet and other people who review and talk to people about film and TV in this great wide universe that is the interwebs. So, I'd like to introduce you to Liam Doa. How you doing, Liam? Ah, doing well. Glad to be here. Um, you know, it's, it's a little early across the pond, but, you know, excited to be here nonetheless. Not only are you from New York, but you're also a filmmaking podcaster in terms of you not only just run a podcast, but you also produce uh, feature films and you work on film sets yourself. So, which came first, the podcast or the filming uh so i always knew that there was a career in film for me um i didn't really know how to solidify it when i was coming up through college i wanted to find a more marketable degree whatever uh then i realized midway through my first uh actual like professional role in marketing that there wasn't really anything other than working in the film and television sphere that i wanted to do so i decided to once I came to New York uh, leave that role and start freelancing it through the city and so that kind of has launched me into doing some mostly international features actually um, live TV um, different activations different projects I've got to work with some exciting talent some a-listers some b-listers uh, it's been a been a crazy ride haven't been able to work on my own project yet sure. but um, you know it's only been a uh, about a year and I haven't really established my legs yet and then with the podcast I just kind of wanted to get out there in a different medium you know I've, I've done the whole TikTok thing I've worked in film before I kind of wanted to see what the audio landscape was like and it's been really exciting since cool now your podcast is called the Doorcast podcast and obviously podcasts can be done anywhere but is the Doorcast podcast recorded exclusively in New York or do you travel around uh so when I started it off I was still living in New Jersey um and then I came here and that actually became a big selling point of it. Um, I make it a real point to tell people that it's uh, recorded in New York City, which um, 
I mean, realistically, you could just tell somebody that and they believe you. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a lot of Zoom calls just because, you know, COVID has exploded here again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's predominantly based out of New York. And in a nutshell, what would you say is the premise about your podcast to our listeners uh, who may not have come across you before? Yeah, sure. So the first, uh, the first season, um, and I put that in air quotes just because it's kind of got a more um, lackadaisical format now, uh, has been all about experts, things people wish they knew going back. And if they like had that one thing, they could go back in time and think about. Um, and then I move more towards people just talking about uh, their experience and things like that. So I've had um, uh, Columbia undergrad students, um, world travelers who have had to deal with um, Mexican cartel gangs, um, professional bodybuilders. And then I launched a new segment pre the holiday um, going over films and, and reviewing them. Uh, ironically, one of them was Dune um, and No Way Home was the other one. And then I realized around around that time that I kind of wanted to put the podcast on a bit of a winter break just so I could you know, re refigure, retool, see what worked, see what didn't take a look at the analytics, see how I can best grow it, what people really like. So I'm going to throw this question out open to both of you, uh, starting with Jay first. What is your experience of June? And had you ever read the books by James Herbert? No, I'm, I'm not a huge book reader. Um, I knew a little bit about the um, the earlier version. Was it 87, 84, I think it was. Um, but I never actually watched that film either. Um, but interestingly, when I saw the trailer for this one, I actually wanted to see it. Um, but that's my experience anyway, um, prior to actually having to watch this film. I also didn't realise that this was only a part one. Mm. So, yeah. So I, I, I only got excited watching the, the, uh, the trailer. Okay. Now, Liam, how about you? I mean, we're going to find out more about your podcast later, but what was your first uh, intersection with this content? So I knew about Dune from the 84, uh, from the 84 movie, and not because I've ever actually even seen it. I just follow Kyle McLaughlin on Twitter. And okay. for a really long time, he would just be posting, you know, little screenshots of it. People would reach out to him, ask him about the, about the film process, whatever. I know it was considered a, like a critical flop. But what really drew this me to this was the cast. I mean, it's literally everyone, everybody, every Hollywood it person right now, every every huge star was in it. And that's, you know, bones for a good movie. It doesn't necessarily mean a good movie. And we've seen that so many times in different films where they get the best cast possible and it's an absolute flop. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really exciting to see that everyone from every corner of the, you know, of the film sphere was uh, was coming out for it. And it was also cool to see that they're finally letting Timothy Chalamet be the uh, be the main hero protagonist. Yeah. And then... Now, the thing is about June, um, I was aware of the first feature film. I'd seen it um, not at the cinema like many people have done, but when it had come on television, there was a big noise about it because it was a David Lynch uh, feature film and it was a feature film that had been in production for a very long time I've actually come back into the June um, I would say hemisphere or world from Alejandro Jodorowsky's June which is a documentary about his thinking and feeling towards how he could turn this uh, science fiction project into an adaptation to film and apparently he had casting again superstar casting where he was going to have Orson Welles, Mick Jagger 
and Salvador Dali amongst the cast members. So the brightest and greatest of creative minds that were available in the late 70s. And instead, he ended up creating this massive tome of uh, storyboards, artwork and ideas, which included the works of H.R. Giga, as well as uh, people who have worked on film sets, eventually like Alien, Terminator, etc. So I was pleased to see that an epic sci-fi film was coming back into the cinema. And I was also very pleased to know that it was Dennis Villeneuve because he's obviously uh, showed that he's got chops for making feature films uh, in the sci-fi realm, such as Tron Legacy. So I was very excited to see what he was going to do next. How did you feel about the, the such young casting of the leads in terms of Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet taking on the project at this level? I mean, that always comes with a, uh, with a degree of uncertainty, but nonetheless, when it comes to the topography of Hollywood today, um, there is a circle of maybe 10 male and 10 female leads who are essentially in everything. And off the top of your head, you can name, you know, think about Tom Holland, think about uh, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, um, who's a guy who plays Aquaman, who's basically in everything. Um, Aquaman, I think, is played by, I want to say his name is Jason something Jason Momoa. Jason yeah. Momoa, that's correct. Um, I, I think think when it comes to to where Hollywood is today, there it's not really a much age. You know, back back I remember in the late two thousands, um, there were huge complaints because Marvel had casted uh, two nobodies to mm. be in the Thor movie, and sure. they were too young, and it was it eventually ended up being Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth. Mm. But the Hollywood Reporter, things like that, were calling them nobodies because they were one too young mm. and two were untested. Well, Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, everybody in this cast, they're tested. They mm. are on the younger side, but we don't really have that stigma in Hollywood today. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Sure. Now, Jay, uh, you may not know this, but this is the third adaptation of June. Uh, there was David Lynch's 1984 film and there was John Harrison's 2000 miniseries. And apparently Dennis Villeneuve's going to get a chance to do, I think, three parts of June at least. What do you feel about the the future cast, as it were, of like young actors like Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet coming into a feature film project like this? Is it the right stage for their career? For their career, certainly a fantastic opportunity. But I think also in, in terms of Dune, their characters are supposed to be kind of teenagers as well, aren't they? So they're supposed to be young. Sure. I, I think in terms of their career, fantastic. In terms of the casting, it makes sense. I, I don't have anything negative to, to say about that casting. I think it would be really weird if it was like an, you know, if they were coupled as with a, with a huge age gap, yeah, if you know yeah. what I mean. But because they are very similar in age, I think it works. I would like to try and summarise uh, June, at least the first part, as best as I can. So this is a future world off-planet, perhaps in another galaxy, another universe, where we understand faster-than-light travel is possible, where they've understood that there's a planet where they can mine a spice which can be used to further the technology and advance all kinds of myriad of things, including like space travel, engines, technology, weapons, etc. And it's just changed the economy for the good for certain houses. And there's one particular house called House of Atreides, which is 
the ruler of an ocean planet called Caladan, who are now being assigned by the Emperor to replace House Harkonnen as the fief rulers of Arrakis. And Arrakis is the desert planet known for the source of spice. But apparently the, Hark- the House of Harkonnen are um, not ready to kind of give up their status or position they ruled with an iron fist beforehand and it's something that the house of atreides are coming to learn what that looks like as they begin their campaign on behalf of the emperor now what did you think about this sci-fi story liam and how relevant is it to being told to today's audience when it comes to sci-fi you always have to take it with a grain of salt and I say that just because there are a lot of themes, sublight travel, um, different biome type planets, that no matter how you try to stretch the universe, no matter how you try to make it different or new, you will see kind of reverberating through every little bit of sci-fi that you watch, be it Star Wars, be it Star Trek, be it Dune. There are always going to be these, these things that... Um, no matter how hard you try to get away from it, it's this it's this concept that's bigger than any any film franchise or or story, but they're there nonetheless. Um, now, when it, when it comes to the plot, I think um, if you can create something that's you, you know, Dune is, is highly political. Um, I know it's there's a movie it's a movie about war. It's a movie about um, you know creating peace with the Fremen, but it is a very much political movie talk you know going about political gains uh different houses things like that it kind of mixes that game of thrones mentality with also the semi i guess yeah you said aristocratic um like the levels of aristocracy versus the fremen who are kind of the like nobody's the malign type people um it's just interesting when you can get a plot like that that's digestible and easily to understand because so many political you know tropes and political plots bog themselves down in their own kind of intelligence or pseudo intellect whatever you want to call it um so i actually really enjoy the the idea of of what dune could be and i say that just because we haven't seen enough of what the series is going to be to flesh out if this movie was was a success or not sure and jay in terms of the plot again what did you think of how June was portrayed by Denis Villeneuve in 2021, considering how many times it's been uh, adapted so far? The biggest thing for me is the technology used back then and the te- technology that you can use today in terms of CGI, special effects, all of that. Sure. And I think aesthetically, obviously, the, the, the most recent one, the 2021 version, is, is miles ahead of the 84 version. Mm. I don't know much about the miniseries. I haven't seen that one, so I can't really comment on that. But sure. definitely um, in terms of the look, the feel, the way it was shot, um, it flows a lot better. Mm. What I found with watching um, the 84 version, it felt like it was a, a bit of a cut and paste. Sure. It felt like there were a lot of gaps a lot of things that weren't, um, let's say, they didn't quite come full circle for me. Sure. There was a lot of internal monologue that kind of helped fill in bits and pieces. Mm. Um, and that was a little distracting mm. as well. But it was also kind of like, for me, almost necessary. Yeah. Because when I watched the most recent one, the 21 version, 
because I wasn't privy to the story prior, mm. having the internal monologues from the original one kind of helped answer a lot of questions I had for this one. Okay. okay. So it, it's interesting because even though I enjoyed the film uh, for its cinematic feel, let's yeah. put it that way, and it flowed for me, there were a lot of things that weren't quite spelt out sure. to me either. And it was almost like watching the 80, 84 version filled yeah. in some of those gaps. Yeah. If I was to watch it alone and mm. not have watched the 84 version, it would have sat quite well. I would have enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. Um, but I just think I got a little bit more of that information from the first one, even though, the, you know... The, the film itself, for me, was not a good one. Sure. Do you guys have a favourite sci-fi scene from June, this film, uh, that told you this is going to be like an epic adventure? Was there like a moment that you saw in the film and said, this is going to be a great movie or this is going to be a visual treat to watch? For me, it's just the big worms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the big worms. Um, because I think every other scene is, is very um, similar to to other sci-fi films that you've seen. Mm. Um, there are a lot of, um, you know, you know, the long corridors, the, you know, the spaceships and things like that. Um, what I did like, though, were the, their, um, their flying machines. They were kind of yeah. like in the, in the style of a mosquito almost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was quite neat. It's quite um, an innate sort of thing, like yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, for for me, I I I liked the worms for some reason. because okay. it's, it's just big. It's just like they're yeah. huge. Was there any? Did you ever think about um? Some, when I think when I saw June the first time, I did have a little ref, refresher callback to uh, Kevin Bacon's films Tremors as well. Oh, but yeah, obviously yeah, these are more yeah, violent. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's the same uh, CGI team or VFX team. But was there a particular sci-fi moment that sold you more than others on this film, Liam, for yourself? You know, not not really, and okay. I don't say that you know thinking that it was a it was a bad film. I, th I thought it was it was all right. My primary uh, issue with with Dune, and I guess Dune is a series now, is that it's the way it's structured itself, the way it set itself up, mm. is that it's teetering on the edge of if the next release is a fantastic film. Then Dune twenty twenty one will be considered fantastic in my mind. Yeah. However, if the next release is horrible, then it'll ruin the first experience for me. Sure. Um, because uh, you know this movie had legs for, to be uh, to be amazing. It had a powerhouse cast. Um, it had an one hundred and sixty five million dollar studio budget. It had all the time in the world to produce or to be produced and be in production and then be in post. Uh, and it had all the advertising budget in the world. However when it comes to this this particular film it's predominantly exposition okay and and if you think about start to finish this two hour two and a half hour 156 minute movie you start on caladan mm. uh talking about hey we're going to we're going to arrakis they go to arrakis um they find out they've been betrayed by the emperor everything kind of everyone scatters uh timothy chalamet or uh paul mm. and his mother find the fremen yeah now I've just said I've essentially said the entire plot in the in the past 15 seconds. Yeah. Now, is this not a is this a visually stunning movie? Absolutely. Is it some of the best acting um, or best names in in Hollywood in the past 20 years altogether? I mean, yeah, we have Josh Brolin. Literally, Thanos is in the movie. Mm. Um, however, 
it's more exposition than it is actual plot for me. Sure. And when I talk about this film with other other people, uh, I kind of refer to it as the Seinfeld of sci-fi movies because <laughs> it's really interesting. Everybody loves it, but did anything actually happen while you were watching? Okay, you know, there's it, there's a linear a linear plot, but not a ton really happens in this first chapter and that's okay as long as in the next chapter and in the follow-up we get enough to make the dune 2021 make people realize why it was relevant and why it was important but i I just don't think we've seen enough in the first film to actually have one of those like mind-blowing cinematic moments it's it's cinematically brilliant i mean it's it's Mm. beautiful to watch you could take away all the dialogue and all the sound and it would still be you know, enchanting and tantalizing. But I don't think there were a lot of points in this film where you sit back and are like blown away. The thing that June got right in 2021, it was very precise about scale. And I think it was very clever the way it matched up the close moments with one-to-one talking where Paul's learning from his doctor Paul gets to see the trees that are grown in the desert, even though it's in the compound, versus uh, meeting the sandworms, um, the uh, the attack on the base, which is like out of nowhere and getting the size of how small the men are compared to the ships that are landing in the, um, the attack. And as well, understanding a bit more about the different planets and their significance in this kind of political spectrum. But June is like, a lot of uh, political skullduggery, conversations in rooms, understanding status based on who's talking and who's not talking, who's bowing to who. And I think maybe you you have got a point, uh, Liam. This film is not a standalone film. That could be the problem. It, it's actually part of a long, ongoing story that needs to be digested over maybe three or four films. I mean, do you feel... There's a patience that we have to learn when we're watching June. For me, because this is part one, it's it's more about setting the scene. It's about introducing characters, um, introducing the planets, the hierarchy, as you said. So for me, I'm I'm. It's it's a slow moving storyline in this particular film because it is part one because it's all about setup. I don't think the the big big stuff is going to happen and. Um, until the next one and the next one after that, if mm. there is a third one. Yeah. So you kind of need, you know, something to kind of set the rest of the story up, and I think that's what this one does, because mm. um, you're introducing the the Duke's son Paul, you're introducing um, the voice, you're introducing the planets, you're introducing Spice. Um, yeah. it, it's a lot of introductions, and for someone like me who isn't familiar with Dune. In general, um, you you, you kind of need that. Yeah, I mean, what would you say is missing from this version of June or this this feature film to be a more entertaining sci-fi? I'm not entirely sure, actually. I mean, like, there's a lot of gunfighting, isn't there? Explosions and whatnot, but that's kind of what I expect in this type of sci-fi film. I I, I can't really answer that, actually. Okay. And Liam, have you got any pointers? Because you you you've got a bit of a cinematographic cinematographic background. I'm just layman. No, <laughs> we, we've got two different versions of uh, how people use their eye to see the film. But do you think there's anything that could be added to uh, this sci-fi film that w- you would have preferred to have seen? Basically, I, I don't want to say that anyone did anything wrong. Um, however, 
I would say that, you know, it goes back to a lot of exposition. Um, And so I, you know, I know Timothy Chalamet announced by tweet that uh, like maybe the day after the the Dune 2021 was released, that there was a a sequel. I think that when it comes to uh, major blockbuster movies uh, that are adaptations of colossal books, unfortunately, as as much as you want to stay true to the original content, there have to be concessions. Mm. And I know I sound like a studio suit right now, but um, you have to make concessions about things. And if you're going to to adapt something, um, you have to understand that the audience is not you or or me or, or Jay in the sense that we are studying these things. We're we're looking at them. You have to mm. assume that a lot of the audience is just excited to see a movie then they don't really care if it's going to be you know true to the book i mean i've I've never read dune myself Mm. um that being said there are certain things people get really excited for um Mm. you know like think about star wars everybody gets excited for the lightsaber fight yeah i don't think they've figured out in dune what the audience really excites themselves for yet Mm. uh i probably would go with the sandworms um I probably would go with with interactions with the Fremen. Um, and ironically, those are the two things I think we got the least of in mm. in the 2021 film. Um, so I guess, and not even something I would change, I would, if they had the time, put more emphasis on what happens between uh, Paul and the Fremen and where they're putting, where the, basically where their direction's going. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a little bit less backstory on, um, you know, on Caladan, on a lot of those things that that took a really long time. And I'm not saying they stopped to stop the movie dead, but mm-hmm. a lot of the scenes that were really, really big in terms of, of character development um, and exposition of characters who, spoiler alert, ended up dying five minutes later. Mm-hmm. As a film critic, as a as a person who reads into these things, yeah, those are important. But for the other billion people who are just like, big space movie, I want to watch this. Mm-hmm. There has to be that delicate balance between, I guess, um, understanding that you are a blockbuster film and then truth to truth to this original source material. Yeah. And I think, for example, Lord of the Rings did that did that perfectly. Of course, there's another, you know, books worth of things they didn't keep in each film but they were able to cherry pick the best things that made the most sense to get you from point a to point b and satisfy the film critic but also the 12 year old kid who likes seeing orcs heads get chopped off yeah 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 i hear <laughs> yeah. that i mean i think for me there was like a visual treat um in terms of sfx and uh, vfx i did like the practical makeup effects of um the House Harkonnen, uh, particularly what they did with the bodysuit that Stellan Skarsgård had to wear to become Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. And I think there's an an apocalypse now moment where he rises from the oil slick, which seems to be giving him some kind of energy or keeping him young, or it's this mysterious black oil or ooze. But it kind of signifies that, I kind of got the signification that he was a powerful person. He's a man of wealth and like he's bathing in oil instead of crude oil instead of milk and, st- and he can fly in the air. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I like the um, the kind of look that they gave to uh, Glossu Rabin, not knowing the character from the books, but it's it, they did feel like otherworldly and kind of evil in their own respect. And I like what they did with the shield, the body armor shields as well, the kind of the close contact body armor, which had that kind of force field 
around it and they, they made some clever uses of it in terms of how it was used in training with Paul, how it was used in an attack where somebody gets killed with uh, Leto Atreides and also how it was used as um, tactical advantage by um, Jason Momoa's character. I can't remember the name of Duncan, thank you. And um, I felt that was a very good, subtle use of VFX, at least. I felt there was a, a very good, subtle reference to the intellect of Paul Atreides and his ability to communicate in different languages. And I feel like that's something that's going to probably open up a bit more in part two in terms of his ability to communicate with others because he's using like different languages, Latin, it seemed, and at some point he's using sign language. So it looks like he's going to be able to kind of hoodwink and meet people from different cultures almost seamlessly. And it feels like there's going to be more world building. Do you feel that there was a like an Easter egg or a moment that was given as a cliffhanger for June part one, which we'll see more of in part two? I, I think he's just going to use the voice more. I think he's just going to gather the hordes and invade. Um, I think that's probably going to be the premise of the next film is just him, you know, training everyone up, getting his forces together um, and becoming this superpower um, that overthrows the emperor. And I think the, the next one after that is probably going to be when they actually go forth mm. Um so, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's probably going to end with him, you know, having succeeded in all the training and the next step is now let's invade. Cool. And uh, final thoughts, what do you feel, Liam, is going to be the cliffhanger moment that's going to carry over into part two? Yeah, so something that stood out to me was that scene where Paul and his mother are in the tent and he has the vision of a holy war being waged in his name. Mm. I think that might be one of the largest um, things I'm waiting for in the next uh, the next movie because it's very interesting to, you know, have the main character as this messianic figure almost. You know, we've seen it with the chosen one and in, in, with the force, and and it's it's interesting to see. You know, he's vulnerable. We've seen a, we've seen Paul almost die multiple times, um, and we don't always get these characters who have any like flaws or can be beat. And it's interesting to see that he's both a, a Christ-like messianic figure, but also has weaknesses and vulnerabilities and is and can be hurt and can die and, and feels as flesh and blood. So I think I'm really interested to see how, aside from just um, Arrakis and the Fremen, how they're going to create that quote-unquote holy war. Mm. That I think, and how he's going to take on the, em the empire. Um, I feel like I'm talking about Star Wars right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm very excited to see um to see how they're going to bring everybody together and you know uh, hopefully have a cinematic almost endgame like um, conclusion where all of the people he's united can can you know show their show their strengths. But yeah, that's a really exciting uh, prospect yeah. for me. Cool. Thank you. It does seem to be that kind of moment when everyone comes together. There's that yeah. ah moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Your podcast, Liam, Doorcast yep. Podcast. Have you got any hashtags that we can give the audience? Um, usually it's just hashtag Doorcast. So that's hashtag my last name, D-O-E-R-R, -R, and then just cast. Um, yeah, that's that's actually about it. Just uh, just those, just that one. See, 
See, Trevor never actually wrote it down for us, so I thought it was Dorcast, D-O-O-R. <laughs> so I'm glad you spelt that out for everyone because, you know, I wouldn't have known where to go. So um, have you been recording recently as well? Yeah, I've been doing some some prep work. Uh, I, I want to introduce a new segment um, that focuses more on individual characters than actual film, just mm-hmm. um, talking about either amazing acting but then also amazing um you know well-written characters uh i did put my i put my show on winter break till february just because i wanted to get everything get all my ducks in a row and just kind of figure out where i want to go what the direction is going to be um also you know it's it's, it's december january i'm just lazy um but, <laughs> recovering uh, from the holiday period <laughs> yeah just you know it's been it's been like a month but uh, yeah well it'll be uh, back up and running in in early february which is like in two days but um yeah just just the doorcast on spotify apple tv or not apple tv apple podcasts um stitcher amazon anywhere you can find a podcast i'm there excellent have mm-hmm. you got any episodes that you want to direct the audience to any particular oh. ones that you, you kind of think stand out yeah sure um my far from home review I, I really hope you uh, people would enjoy that. Um, you know, I've been a big, big nerd, big Spider-Man fan for a really long time. I just have a lot of different uh, interview type episodes. Uh, they're all different themes. So, if, you know, everywhere from uh, bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders to um, professional real estate developers to basically everything. So if you're looking through the episodes and you find your niche, whatever, whatever interests you, by all means, take a look. Fantastic. Cool. So thank you for coming on to our podcast and sharing your intelligence, ideas and thoughts about June part one. Lovely to have you on board and we hope more of our listeners can find you through the description of our podcast and uh, obviously the search engines for the door podcast spelled d-o-e-r-r and uh, we really uh, appreciate you uh, giving us the time from new york so ciao for now ciao right, everyone thanks so much have a good one so that was the end of stream team where you can hear about the latest news and reviews on cinema films that are now available to watch on your streaming platform 